Welcome to the MSK Minute Podcast by Basics of Ortho, where the aim is to boost your musculoskeletal knowledge and improve your confidence in evaluating and caring for musculoskeletal conditions. Join me for casual discussions on musculoskeletal anatomy and biomechanics, various conditions, and other topics related to or being a physician assistant in orthopedics. We will also pick the brains of several interesting guests from time to time. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host and longtime PA in orthopedics, Jason Coggins. Before we get started today, I do want to take a minute and recognize our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by our partner, QXMD. QXMD builds mobile solutions that drive evidence-based medicine and clinical practice. Check out their READ app for easy access to research personalized for you and their other app, Calculate, for over 500 easy-to-use decision support tools. You can use these every day in clinic. Try them today at qxmd.com forward slash apps. Again, if you didn't catch that, it's qxmd.com forward slash apps. I personally find Reed a wonderful resource in preparation for and researching for the Musculoskeletal Minute podcast. For each episode that I do use research gathered through Reed, you'll be able to access that research and the articles through my Musculoskeletal Minute collection in Reed, and you'll get the link to that using our show notes. You can also find it on the website at basicsofortho.com. Welcome back to the show, orthopedic enthusiasts. I hope you are all full and happy from your Thanksgiving feasts. I know that I certainly am. Uh, Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into our topic of the day. It is a mallet finger. Um, This is an extremely common finger injury that you'll see across many different types of clinics, whether it be orthopedic, urgent care, emergency department, and even some in primary care. Um, Again, this is a very common injury, although I could not find any specific numbers for you, as there really aren't um, any papers, at least that I found, that mention the incidence of uh, or uh, the epidemiology of mallet fingers. But again, just in my uh, 15-plus years of experience, this is an injury that I see fairly frequently. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right in with this injury. What is it? Well, uh, understanding the anatomy of the fingers, uh, you have your uh, proximal and middle phalanxes, and then your distal phalanx, um, the thumb aside. I'm talking about fingers two through five here. So you have one extensor tendon that runs along the dorsal aspect and attaches just past that distal phalanx on the dorsal aspect of the, uh, um, uh, runs just past that uh, distal interphalangeal joint and attaches to the dorsal aspect of that distal phalanx. Um, And a mallet finger occurs when you have a disruption of either uh, the tendon itself, which is a purely tendinous uh, mallet finger, or when the injury occurs and it avulses uh, a small portion of the bone where that tendon is attached to, and that would be termed a bony mallet finger. Uh, some eponyms that you may hear this injury referred to would be baseball finger uh, or a drop finger. So, you know, those terms mean the same thing. And you can't differentiate uh, a purely tendinous Uh, versus a bony mallet finger on uh, exam alone. You would need x-rays. But again, that is what the injury is, either a purely tendinous uh, rupture of the extensor tendon at the distal phalanx or a bony avulsion 
uh, of the extensor tendon from the distal phalanx. So what causes a mallet finger or bony mallet finger? Generally, it uh, you'll see this in younger uh, patients that are athletically inclined or uh, participating in some type of athletic event, event usually involving a, a ball uh, that is thrown or kicked. Uh, and the mechanism occurs when uh, the, the missile or projectile strikes the tip of the finger, whether it be a basketball hitting the tip of the middle finger um, or, or a volleyball or even trying to field a, a ground ball and the softball or baseball you know, strikes the tip of uh, an ungloved uh, finger. And it forces that finger into flexion while the extensor is trying to uh, extend or hyperextend. And that is what causes the rupture or the avulsion. Now, what that looks like after the injury occurs is you will generally have an acute onset of pain, uh, varying levels depending on the person. And you'll usually have some swelling around the distal phalanx, particularly the dorsal aspect. But the telltale sign of this injury is there is an extension lag. So the patient or person cannot hold their uh, fingertip in extension. It usually uh, droops, uh, and it can droop in varying uh, amounts or degrees. From a, a clinical exam standpoint, uh, again, the patient's unable to actively extend at the distal interphalangeal joint, but you can passively extend. And once you passively extend and then let go, that finger droops back down with an extension lag, again, in varying degrees. Uh, they're unable to apply any extension uh, strength. So that would be uh, the clinical telltale signs of a, a mallet finger. Again, from that clinical exam, you cannot differentiate between uh, purely tendinous versus bony. And that's where the next step comes in, and that's your x-rays. You need at least an AP and a lateral x-ray of the finger. And that's what will demonstrate whether or not it's tendinous or bony. If it's tendinous, you won't have any abnormalities on x-ray other than you will likely notice that the, the distal phalanx or distal interphalangeal joint is uh, slightly flexed or drooping. Uh, in the bony mallet finger, you'll have an avulsion of the dorsal aspect of that distal phalanx. Um, you want to take note of the size of the avulsion. Uh, as well as the displacement. Now, the size is important because in the literature that I reviewed, um, while it's not uh, consensus, it, it is generally thought that one of the uh, surgical criteria uh, for treatment would be if it's a large fragment that's greater than 30% of the joint surface. Uh, if that be the case, then you want to get the input of uh, an orthopedic surgeon or a hand surgeon. Uh, the other indication for surgery that you're looking for on that x-ray, if it's a bony mallet finger or tendinous, is whether there is any um, volar subluxation, meaning that the distal phalanx not only is flexed, dis or flexed but it is uh, sagging or almost uh, subluxed or dislocated um, towards the palm side of the finger. If that be the case, that would be a surgical indication as well. Um, I'm not going to get too much into how it could potentially be subluxed. Um, if it's just a tendinous injury, 
Um, but that would involve more uh, significant injury to the uh, collateral ligaments as well. So that's our mechanisms of, e- uh, of injury, our treatment, or excuse me, the exam, and then our uh, conservative treatment option. Actually, no, we didn't talk about it. We talked about our surgical indications. But if our surgical indications are not present, then which is the vast majority of cases, then conservative management is indicated. And conservative management for this injury, whether it be bony or tendinous, uh, works extremely well. And that involves um, long-term splinting of the distal interphalangeal joint in extension. Now, how do you do that? Well, there's off-the-shelf stack splints, um, which looks like a big tan thimble that immobilizes the distal interphalangeal joint, but it leaves the, the... PIP and the MP joint free to move, uh, which is helpful. Uh, you can do this with, or you can splint an extension with an alumafoam splint, a very small one on the dorsal aspect of the distal interphalangeal joint, just held on with tape. Um, or you can do my personal preference, which is have uh, a hand therapist or occupational therapist fabricate um, an extension splint of the DIP joint. Uh, which is essentially the same thing as a stack splint, but the one difference is uh, I have the occupational therapist slightly hyperextend, which I personally uh, feel leaves less of a potential for some residual extension lag once everything's healed. So I mentioned you, you, an extended period of splinting. So how long? Um, in the research that I did, you know, there's several review articles, and the vast majority of them splinted for somewhere between six and eight weeks. Some would go six weeks for um, bony injuries and eight weeks for tendinous injuries. Others, it didn't really matter whether it was bony or tendinous, but somewhere between six and eight weeks of extended uh, splinting and extension. And the key is it has to be continually uh, extended. You can't let that finger droop. Otherwise, your treatment time starts over again. And there's a special technique that you use to take the splint off for hygiene purposes and reapply it. Um, And uh, you can find several videos for that. You can find one of the videos on uh, the Basics of Ortho YouTube channel, uh, as well as the website. But uh, you, you hold the finger down on a counter um, in hyperextension, you slip the splint off, you, you uh, perform your um, washing routine and drying routine of the finger, and you, you slip that finger back on, or slip the splint back on the finger uh, without letting it uh, flex at all. Um, so that's the technique for uh, hygiene and removing and reapplying the splint. But again, splinting for six to eight weeks continually, and then after that six to eight weeks, a lot of people will continue to splint at night for another, um, the research range from two to 10 weeks after that. So you're talking about a good, you know, anywhere from six weeks to three months of uh, treatment in, in some form or fashion. Um, so we've covered uh, what the injury is, the mechanism of injury, uh, what it looks like on exam, our conservative treatment, our surgical indications, how long to treat. Uh, generally, the 
these uh, do very well. Um, most people do not have any residual issues, although I do remind people that there may be, even in the best of cases, a very slight extension lag. Some of uh, the studies that I reviewed said um, you know, from anywhere from one to seven degrees of extension lag may be present, but it doesn't interfere with uh, function on a day-to-day -day basis. So with that, I will finish up. I hope you enjoyed this review of the mallet finger, and I look forward to having you join me for our next episode of the Musculoskeletal Minute podcast. Thank you again for joining me on today's podcast. I trust that you have found it valuable to your learning and practice, and maybe even a bit entertaining. Please join me for the next episode of the MSK Minute by Basics of Ortho. If you have found this podcast useful, I would be exceedingly grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button and leave a comment. Also, please consider visiting and subscribing to the website basicsofortho.com to get the latest updates and take advantage of all the great ortho-themed video content, blog articles, and more. If you'd like to contact me directly, you can do so through the website or jason at basicsofortho.com. Stay safe and see you next time.